We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello, hello, hello. Aaron, how are you? <laughs> I, I'm doing well as we ease into the, the evening and the, and the first night of uh, daylight savings for the fall. Oh my gosh, don't, don't even get me started. <laughs> it feels like it's like 11.30pm already. Hey, take take it to the courts. They'll, exactly and, and, and yeah. they'll reject it even though they all seem to agree on wanting to get rid of it <laughs> so. uh, oh my gosh I, i'm so lethargic right now well, you can move to arizona they don't do it that's true yeah and i think also uh nevada doesn't do it, so. and, it and it would help if you're tuberculosis oh yeah the warmer air yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> is is arizona the florida of the west coast <laughs> uh in a lot of ways yes some yeah, worse there, than others warmer yeah <laughs> I'm going to uh, change my name to Murray. <laughs> well, Out Now is a film podcast, which has Abe and I normally discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then, like that, special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something a little bit different. This isn't too different. This is just a review show. It's a fun yeah. bonus episode that we wanted to do so we could make sure to have time to to spend on uh, uh, one of the many films coming out this holiday season right. and uh, and award season for that matter. And um doing for for tonight we are talking david fincher's the killer hmm. um, which would be classified you, you could classify as a neo-noir making it entirely fitting for that's right noir vember <laughs> uh, are you the only one using this no i'm not but okay like, okay like, there's plenty i was like, like oh if if you are we gotta we gotta tm this it's not just you know like tcm's film lineup the new beverly's film calendar oh. the various various repertoire Various repertory theaters around the country all have November lineups on their calendar for got old it, screenings. Okay, well, we'll we'll keep that in mind for our commentary this month. I'm not that we do. We I've been talking with Brandon about some commentary ideas uh, for this month that will yeah. entirely deal with this this theme. Uh, but no, go. I'm not the first one that's like, you know what? If you put OIR <laughs> you had an, in, uh, in, in, in November, <laughs> you would get November. <laughs> understood. Understood. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk David Ventures the Killer. Um, nothing much is the way show notes beyond just hey, we have a lot of bonus episodes recently. You should check those out. And if you like <laughs> yeah. those, give us a rating review on iTunes. That'd be great. Not only that, we're gonna have a ton more coming up in the exactly. next couple of months. Exactly. So yeah. Uh, but let's do it. Let's get to our review for the killer. I find music a useful distraction. A focus tool. Keeps the inner voice from wandering. Should have been some of the trailer for the trailer for the killer. David Fincher has been attached to this project since 2007, adapted from the French comic series written by Matts and illustrated by Luke Jacquemin. The film was written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven and has been an uncredited screenwriter for several of Fincher's films. Mm-hmm. All of this is to say that this story about an assassin dealing with a botched mission plays like a return to a familiar territory for the director. Michael Fassbender stars as the nameless hitman who finds himself having to sort out some business involving his employer and other assassins who attempted to come after him. As the story plays out, we hear a lot about what this man thinks about the world and how he can ideally hold on to his self-imposed code. Abe. Yes? 
I want to know, what did you think of the killer? So fucking fun <laughs> and so fucking cool. This is David Fincher. This is like classic-ish Fincher uh, back when he was making a, a big uh, hullabaloo about just the narcissism of man, but also just who is everybody um, and what is your place among the millions of faces in the world, but also consumerism and also uh, talking about um, the capitalist society that we live in. And what he does here is just a ton of Fincherism things that I just could not get enough of. I, I dug this movie on a lot of different levels from a technical level. I thought it was shot very well. I actually read an article today that said that the shaky cam was added post. Uh, so it wasn't shaky cam on set. It was just Dave Fincher being like, no, I wanted to shoot it regular and then I'll figure out what to do with it later. I also really dug the sound design and the sound editing in this movie. I think that plays a lot with the way that the killer played by Michael Fassbender is sort of thinking. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I dug the the weird dull humor and I also dug the uh, the kills that are in this movie. But it, it's just... I could I remember how we talked about the Batman Matt Reeves is the Batman and I was like, you know, I could really see a lot of comic panels uh in that movie and I could see like the yellow voiceover boxes and stuff like that. Sure. Works works here as well. You know, I, I really like this movie on a lot of different levels, but I just really like that it's Fincher kind of saying uh, again all the things he has to say about society, but the other avenue is like I actually just really like this because I think it's like Fincher tends to sometimes put himself in the movie. This is also just Fincher being like, no. I'm also a really good director and I like what I like and I know how to do it. So, you know, fuck you guys. And I'm going to do what I do. So here, here's like a middle finger to everybody uh, who doesn't really like my stuff and thinks that I might be overrated. It's like, I love the attitude from Venture. So what did you think? Um, as you know, I've been a fan of the comic this is based on for yes, a long yeah. time to the point where I often seem to be putting on my nerd glasses to be like, actually it's based on a comic book series, but um, <laughs> the, I mean, this you know, Fincher is one of my favorite directors. I'm a big fan of this comic. Combine these two together, and yeah, you have the best comic book movie of the year at the very least. But oh that's, wow, I didn't think about that. But I mean, that's you know that that's neither here nor there. This movie just rocks. Like it's totally just it. It's super fun as far as how it goes about handling how streamlined this all is. Like it, you know the. The movie starts out so aggressively with just the title sequence alone, where it just like rushes through, like, here's yeah. all the names. Let's get this out of the way, even though it looks awesome. <laughs> and like, and that's it. We're done with that. Now let's get to this movie. And they're like, despite the fact that it has like a pretty deliberate pace, I wouldn't mm -hmm. say it's necessarily fast pace, it's not slow by any means, but like it still feels like there's just no fat on the bone of this thing. Yes. Like the yeah. the editing from Kirk Baxter, who's worked at Fincher a number of times, has two Oscars uh, from Social Network and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Wow. Like he knows what like these like and along with Eric Messerschmidt, who's the cinematographer, and mm -hmm. Trent Reznor. Like he Fincher just has his people. It's, it's his yeah, it's his team. It's his he people. has a crew that just really gets how his mind works. Like we talked about this just yeah. recently, where Fincher is very much a guy that like he knows all the things he wants in his movies, and he knows the jobs required to do those things. Uh, even if he can't like do all of those jobs himself, he knows how to communicate what like he, he wants each person involved in his films to to do mm -hmm. and that feels like th this feels like the result of that to the extreme there is nothing that feels out of place here whatsoever every single choice made in this movie is deliberate mm -hmm. uh, and it and it's wonderful for that and it helps that none of that amounted to some kind of like stodgy drama or something that's 
I don't know, too melodramatic for its own good or too sardonic for its own good. Instead, mm. it's this like just a really solid like adult hitman film with a lead character who's so detached and yet because he's such a darkly funny narrator and an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. it means that you can clearly attach yourself to him in some way because there's obviously emotion going on within him that he's just not speaking about and it's all of that makes for just a really exciting film that's so like wonderfully shot and so like visceral in its moments that it tries to like ramp things up Mm-hmm. And any number of other descriptors that can go into what involves a thriller that happens to have a dark sense of humor running through it. Like, I was so satisfied by this movie. I yeah. can't wait to watch it again. It's the same kind of feeling I get from a lot of Fincher movies, something like The Social Network, which I rewatched the other day, mm-hmm. which is still a movie where if I watch The Social Network, at the end of The Social Network, I'm like, I want to watch that again. Like, that's the feeling I get from a movie like that. And this is like in that realm of I'm so like taken aback by how efficiently made this thing is where yeah. i'm like i just need to immediately watch this again just to absorb more of the great details that's going on throughout this thing. yeah 100 agreed masterwork uh i wouldn't say it's a masterpiece but it certainly is a masterwork just from all, all things you said i felt the same way I, I finished this movie i watched it in theaters is a very limited run right now mm-hmm. um and i was like i kind of want to watch this again like right now like yeah like the second you just, like, Netflix, you just, i'm putting it on like <laughs> yeah can you, can you just like cue it up again i'll, I'll just see yeah. it by myself and i'll just watch it again um, it is a really good theater experience as well. I, I I would say that the reason why it's a good theater experience is because of, again, the sound that is being played here. You are inundated, and he's beating the sounds of the city, the sounds of sirens, the sounds of wind, whatever the fuck it is, into the, the speakers. And the only times in which there's like reduced sound is when Michael Fessler is going to go kill somebody. Like his heart rate has decreased. He's like really in the zone and he's either going to fight somebody or it's just um, a, a moment where he's just like really uh, focused on something. Incredible stuff. <laughs> like, Yeah. Let's uh let's talk about Fassbender for a bit. Sure. So he's been gone for a little while. He's been racing cars. He's been racing cars. But like but like for a bit there, he had a he was making a lot of choices where it just seemed like, OK, this guy just like is getting a lot of scripts and he's saying a lot of yes. And you have. Yeah. A couple X-Men films that aren't so great. Um, yeah, yeah, you have you have The Snowman, um, which you know is a movie. You have Assassin's yes, yeah. Creed, which he was a producer on, and like I liked the ideas oh. of what he wanted to do because he wanted to work with his director of Macbeth again, and he wanted to like see a movie production all the way through, mm-hmm. but the movie just you know wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um he had that Terrence Malick movie, but that shot I assumed like 27 years ago and just decided to come out now. So it's like whatever. That's the it's not it's not like yeah. that was within the choices he was making at the time. And he had another alien movie, which he's certainly solid and he's doing his he, job. He's getting that one. Yeah. But alien but Covenant. like outside of that, outside of like, yeah, Alien Covenant, outside of that role, which is, you know, it's already a continuation of another role. That's right. It was like a bunch of random blockbusters that didn't really do anything or the snowman. And then he just been he's been gone. And yeah. yes, he had he did become a race car driver. <laughs> he yes. was in Le Mans. Like, yeah. he was, he's he's racing with Porsche. Yeah. Along with along with, you know, raising his child. Yeah, he, he's got a family with yes. his wife. Yeah. So like he's been out for a bit. And so here he is this year, between this and next goal wins, the Taika Waititi film that's coming out pretty soon. He's back. Okay. And he has not lost a step as far as the fast bender that I know that can deliver really great performances. I think he's so good here. And just like with him and um with Boyle, what he did, uh, what he did, uh, the uh, Steve Jobs, your, Jobs, your favorite movie yeah. that year, um, yeah, 2013. Um, he's 15. Um, 15. He he just he knows how to play this kind of role. I mentioned that specifically because it just there's such a coldness to that character, yeah, and that feels very reflective here. But obviously, 
you know, there's different means going on between the two of them. Sure. Yeah. But he's just right in the zone. Like you watch this guy and you see just the way he's introduced where you see him basically like wait, waiting on this, on like a, on a target to come target. and play. Yeah. And so he's like just doing like exotic yoga moves and mm-hmm. like being a man around town. And like, you just constantly hear him like riffing on the things he's seeing. Yeah, all of this is just so great. I and it just seems he seems like such a great match for Fincher. So I, yeah. and, I mean, it just goes from there as far as where he, you know what else he does in this movie. But I just I was really happy with Fassbender in this role. Yeah, Fassbender is fantastic in this role. I mean, it it is something that really I think suits both of them. Like what you're saying, a Fincher thing, and also Fassbender. Fassbender he can dig into these types of roles. I mean, we've seen him in his breakout role in Glorious Bastards and. We've seen him in things like uh, all all the movies with uh, Steve McQueen, where he's also very uh-huh. good. And he taps into like the, an internal self, and this one's not really asking him to tap into like the human element of being a human. This is actually again he he's the killer, right? So it's really just tapping into like this maniacal guy who has a set of rules that he lives by, so that he can survive, but also be very good at his job, and. This he's being directed by David Fincher, who loves doing like multiple takes and is a master and commander of everything that you're seeing on the screen. So it's just a hilarious, like, you know, beautiful mix of again, David Fincher pseudo being played by Michael Vassbender, and just both of them just being like, Great, well, you know, I'm gonna really hone in on all of my acting skills uh, as a dramatic actor and put into play everything that David David Fincher is wanting to put on the screen. And it, it works so well together. It does. And like, because I, like, as I said, he's been, Fincher's been attached to the movie for over almost two decades. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and um, I, I know at one point, because it's still produced by Plan B, but like he wanted, you know, his friend Brad Pitt to star in the role. And I could see that. I could see it to an extent, but like not with this coldness. Like, I, th- yes, I don't, yeah, I don't sure. think he could match that kind of detached nature of himself. Yeah. I think he'd want to either overplay it or add a bit more personality than yeah, the role because like requires. the movie that I'm thinking about is um, Bullet Train. <laughs> uh, it's like I don't think Brad Pitt would go that that funny with it, but uh, it, I can see how it could become some similar kind of character. On the other end of that would be like Killing Them Softly, where he oh yeah he that, that's a, actually a great call. He's, yeah. a, he's a he's a cold assassin there, but like he still yeah. has. He's still like playing there's like the a weird. There's a weird Brad Pitt charm factor. There's a yeah. There's Brad yeah. Pitt being charismatic in this. Yeah, this yeah. is his his role here is the killer. This guy wants to be nothing to society. He wants to yes. he wants to wear beige and hats and everything possible to kind of make him stand out, not stand out in a crowd. He wants right. to be elusive and yeah. just not be a non presence here. And like that, the way that works here, where it combines it with like. Yes, he's doing that, but he also like when he's in Paris, he pretends to be like a German tourist to throw people right. off. Like that's just great stuff that I, like yeah. he he gets how to do that. I, I really, uh, yeah, I I just want to add to that. I love the attitude that this killer character is bringing, mm-hmm. and you probably were exposed to it with the comics. But I just love the attitude that this kill this killer guy has, and then you mix it with Michael Fassbender's portrayal of it, and then again you mix it with Fincher's um, uh, directing. Mm-hmm. Mostly because, like, this guy is, like, so... He's, like, he's such an arrogant asshole. And I dig it. He's, like, I'm yeah. fucking bad in a thousand. And I was, like... <laughs> and I was, like, this guy is just, like... He's kind of, like, bleeding cool, but in a very, like, calm way. Because uh, he's also very aware of his surroundings. Like, what you're saying, he, he's... This is the 21st century. This is currently, like, 2023 or something like that, right? So he they're aware of all the technology available. Um, he knows where all the cameras are. He knows how to sort of evade them in ways that kind of keeps you anonymous. And 
it's just really fun. And uh, again, it, you know, moving beyond, uh, I think Michael Fassbender, I did not watch any of the trailers beyond the, the teaser. So imagine my delight when some of these fucking character actors come on the screen and you're just like this, what is happening here? This is like my favorite day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like we, I want to talk about the cast in a second, just, but just to like yeah. reflect back on what you're just saying, like, yeah, his, his slickness and the way he like, disposes of like phones and materials he's working with or whatnot with like with ease it's just so like it's so fitting of this guy and like it's cool by default just because it's so stylish and how it's handled Mm -hmm. uh and we'll talk also about like i guess the darkness of this you know the nihilism oh i'd I'd love to talk about that but i mean yeah it's just like it's a fascinating like type of character that i've seen before like the samurai uh, the old sure. jump here melville film it's like such a that's a, a signature play for both this comic and this movie yeah i was like um, i've seen that a lot in tandem with the killer on on social media yeah. for sure and it's a, it's a clear reference point because yes that's a, that's the very depiction of a cool i mean even the way he dresses is exactly mm-hmm. like what fastbender looks like on the poster the, yeah do you think we could pull off bucket hats if we tried hard enough okay um the other thing i was gonna say the um I was gonna say <laughs> more about the nihilism. Uh, no, it's about the his, his um. Fast oh, the comic, the comic, oh, the, okay. the, the comparison to the comic. Like the there's certainly like a, you certainly you hear his point of view in the comic throughout, mm-hmm. but it's more boilerplate, more pulpy in the comic compared to this. Where yeah, Andrew Kevin Walker really brings a sense of the, like the sarcasticness to it and the dark humor. Sure. Like there's yeah. dark humor in the comic also, but like it's. It's much more in tap with with the with with today's times, like you were just saying, as far as the the contemporary aspect, making it mm-hmm. modern, making it fit in twenty twenty three. It really reflects like what a worldview would be from the people making this movie compared to the comic, which is more to the point. As far as yeah, the guy has a code, but it's also like plot driven. This has this has that extra social commentary on top of it. That's sure. less less of a deal in the comic. Yeah. Um, these people, yeah. the other, the other, the other cast members. Yes, uh, the I other agree cast member. It was, it was again, what a delight to see people like Charles Barnell show up. You know, and mm-hmm. I did watch the credits, but I don't know. Do they hold back Tilda Swinton in the credits? No, she's in, like the credits just list the names really fast. That's okay, all. just really fast. Yeah, I might, I might have just missed it because she's the and. Yes, yeah, she. <laughs> yes, yeah, but I. Oh yeah, right, right. But you know, seeing Charles Barnell, I, you hear about the voice on the phone, and you're like, oh, I know who that is. But just seeing him kind of play this guy who, in the comic book, I would totally get. He's like the handler guy, right? And he is he he, he is a black man with gray hair in the comic as well. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's, perfect. It's, it's a, Does it's he a also big wear match. a bow tie in the comic? Uh, he certainly wears a suit. I can't recall if it's a bow tie, but it was like, well, they nailed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nailed it. He's doing great lines. It's very graphic. It's it's very methodical, the way that Michael Fassbender is trying to get information. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I think a, a huge kudos goes to Tilda Swinton because I think she has one of the more interesting monologues to give. Yes, for sure. Um, and I was enraptured, enraptured, enraptured. I was riveted by their <laughs> their dining room conversation about just how none of this actually fucking matters, and yet you will think about it for the rest of your life because I am the one that just asked you to take a pause and take a uh, take a break. And think about what you're doing right now. And I was like, this is what who wrote this? This is this is poetic. This is Shakespearean drama. And, and it's delivered by two of like the greatest living actors uh yeah. in the in the last like 10, 15 years. Again, what a delight. What a delight. Yeah. Uh Arliss Howard also what I like yes, about Ar- I, I, yeah. Arliss Howard specifically is that 
I if you know him in other roles, it's so fascinating to see him like play this kind of like he's so like he was in Mank as Louis B. Mayer. He like yeah. he has all these roles. He was in Moneyball. He's the he's owner in, of the Red Sox. Yes, he had he he very much knows how to transform and play different types of characters. So like mm-hmm. seeing him here, it's like this is not like the last seven people I've seen him play. They're all very different from each other. Mm-hmm. And like right. so the way he comes in and just has this this whole attitude about like what's going on i i like i i equally found interesting just like i found charles Parnell interesting just like i yeah. found tilda swinton interesting obviously yes i agree with you tilda swinton is she gets the most to do of these supporting characters sure. so like that's that goes a long way that's why you cast tilda swinton um yeah. but yeah there's just so much to enjoy here like uh, uh even like ones i'm less familiar with like carrie o'malley who plays dolores who's the like secretary the, she's like the secretary for charles Parnell's character and like the the effort gone to to deal with this person like there's just so much good work going on here right uh it's just it, yeah yeah it really is I, like i, I didn't want to leave out arlo Satter. i thought we we're gonna i was gonna get to him too but he's also very good uh, you know i've he's, he's kind of playing like the sniveling ceo guy who doesn't know what's happening he's just like uh, puts money into funds and just asks for things to be done uh-huh. um but yeah he he's i was like is that Ar- is that Arlis Howard? <laughs> Because he's so skinny and he like wears a hat and a beard. Yeah, it's such a shit. like it's such a it's a very specific look that he's yes. given. <laughs> and I was like, that can't be that can't be Arliss Howard. Like, he's much he's much too thin. But yeah, sure enough. So yeah, it just uh, a great use of like these supporting characters. And, yeah, like, again, that's why that's why I was saying like there's no fat on the bone of this film. It's just like yeah, I, okay, I now agree, we're dealing with yeah. this person and we deal with them and then we're off to the next thing. But even like the whole entire plot itself is structured in a way which is like very A to B to C. And I thought it was actually going to have more fat than than what I saw. Sure, because I was thinking to myself, oh, they're they're giving me um, on screen chapter cards, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, okay, well, this isn't my favorite thing to do, but. I mean, I guess that happens in the comic books as well, perhaps. Um, Not but... this specific. I mean, it's more like because it's a comic book, so comics just naturally have yeah. endpoints or what have you. Right. But like, I, I, what now that we've like seen the movie in whole, it's like I, I think, I think you're saying that you get why it's done. Like, no, totally, yeah, yeah. And again, when I've seen it done in other movies, sometimes that can be very. You can feel the length of a chapter sure. because you're thinking, when's the next title card going to come up? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, it's like, it, again, it's very uh, to the point. Um, I want to get to some of the themes, unless you have other things to say about. Uh, well, I just just in, in like in tandem with the fact that we see all these different characters, we get to go to different places, too. So we're yes. in Paris. We're in New Orleans. We're Where in they New York. actually shot. Yeah. We're in <laughs> all Chicago. We're in the Dominican. And it's like, this is just Los cool. Angeles, it's yeah. cool to see Fincher like get the money. And even though like uh, it's not even like a hugely costly picture. But he still like just got the means to be like, okay, let's travel to these places and show like make this somewhat of a globe trotting film. And it's like that's right. cool. It's it's it it provides a lot of uniqueness to the story being told because you, yeah. yes, you have different like realms of what's going on to interact with these characters and make it feel fresh each time around. It reminded me of something like like Soderbergh's Haywire, which is also very stripped sure. down to the, it. Also has Fastbender. It's also stripped very talk down. About, to, talk about two two friends. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> stripped way down to the bone. So there's. Also, no fat of that movie is like eighty yeah. something minutes, I believe, and there's just nothing on it, so it's just like place to place to place. Yep, it it's neat in that regard. I like yeah. seeing that. And again, my my take on that is like Fincher is also just saying, hey, by the way, uh, I know how to shoot in location. Yeah, and I know how to make it look good, and I also know how to make it cost effective and efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is again, Fincher flexing is going to be one of my favorite things. Which is why he often is sometimes gets overlooked by the academy because they, they don't like his arrogance. Um, but I'm just like, dude, this guy just knows what he knows and he, he knows what he likes. Um, 
one of my favorite stories about Fincher is like, I forget what movie he was where he was just like, okay, yeah, I'll shoot this movie. I'm going to need like, yeah, I can't remember the number. It's like, I'm going to need like $14.2 million. It's, it's, social, it's social network. Social network. Social, network, social yeah. network was Amy Pascal, the producer offers him 20 million. He's like, I yeah. can do this for 40. And yeah. if I do it for 40, I will, you'll get every single thing you need out of it. Yeah. I don't need, there's nothing else I need to do. Yeah. I know what shots I need. I know all this. I know all that. Like, you know yep. exactly what the plan exactly. is. And it wasn't 40. It was like 40.2 million. It's like, I'm going to need exactly 40.2 million. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, uh, that's good way over. It's like, no, that's what I need. And it it came up to like 40.2 million. Like, yeah. This guy is just so exacting. But uh, one of the, um, before we get into a larger discussion about Fincher, I'd love to talk about, again, the, yeah, the, the themes, themes yeah. here. Sure. Very, yeah, very much parallel to Fight Club. Um, a lot of Fight Club in this movie. Yes, sure. yeah. I mean, he's kind of going back to that. But I, what I found fascinating about it is Fincher's love of kind of making fun of our material uh, material lives and just, uh, A, either how we become so dependent upon it, but also B, how stupid it is. Uh, and then see just like how easily it's manipulated. Um, and it's all here too. You know, where does the killer reside? He resides in an empty WeWork office. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that has come under scrutiny recently, especially during the pandemic. Um, and even now they they might be filing for bankruptcy again, but they have reduced in size. What else does he do? He buys something immediately off of Amazon and has it same day shipped. Uh, and then he also is able to manipulate a very expensive health club spa. You know what I mean? Like there's just a lot of things that Fincher has here where he, he has very invested topic in this or uh, invested um, ideas in this. Cause this is not just for, uh, I would say not just for um, fight club and, and for the killer. I mean, it's in a lot of his movies as well. I probably even Mank has a lot of consumerism and capitalist ideas in it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Thoughts on that. I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying and yes, I do think there some of just like visual gags alone, like seeing that he's in a WeWork is hysterical, but also yeah. so like, like, you know, if you're going for the most like pragmatic way of how a hitman would operate, it's like, well, yeah, he would rent a WeWork office. That makes plenty of sense. Sure. Like, yeah, it's of course, like, yeah. Practically, yes. it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and it's and it's a it's a good it, it provides the film with a lot of humor that I don't think ne- audiences are all necessarily expecting for sure. I agree. I do. Like, you know, you're making a movie called the killer and it's about Michael Fassbender playing an assassin. I think, you know, people are expecting something more on the lines of seven more on the lines of Zodiac when really, yes, this is more fight club social network in terms of the kind of humor it's aiming at. And the, right. just the general tone of it. And the fact that yes, it's commenting on the world we're currently living in yeah, and having an assassin be that lead character who you get to share his mind and understand his line of thinking and things where it's like, he's an unscrupulous killer um, yeah. who you, you know, do not want to know at the same time. He has a lot of opinions. <laughs> on the yeah. He really him. does. And he has he, like, to the point where it's like, yeah, I'll go to McDonald's and, uh, you know, get I think that's I, exactly I, the example I was going to bring. Up. I, I I need yeah. protein. So let me, you know, do and the, yeah. and the way he does the way he's like, he throws away the bread because no carbs because exactly has like zero body fat on him in this. Movie. I know yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 he takes his shirt off like, at least like a few times and you're like, Jesus, isn't this guy like 50 years old? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly the example I was giving up too. is like, uh-huh. again, the consumer aspect of things are just like Michael Fest or the adventure saying like, isn't it stupid? How like, you know, a killer can go around and just be like, I need a protein. You know, if you get a, a sausage or a, an egg McMuffin 
at McDonald's and you and you get double egg or something, it's like 300 grams of protein. I'm making that number up, but it it it's just a crazy thing for him to casually eat this McDonald's sandwich while he's while he's like um uh sort of like uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for where he's like high tailing? No, uh the word is slipping and escaping from my mind. Uh pacing. Where he's like casing like casing. Okay, yeah, his okay. um his target, casually just doing that, casually using shared uh shared uh, e bikes uh yeah. just to escape uh-huh. people. You know, like there's this is all in line with the character of the killer too, and that's what I really enjoy. Is like it's not because Michael Michael Fassbender or David Fincher is like, hey, let's let's have a, a dig at McDonald's here. More just like the killer's like, I'm a very efficient person. And I needed to do things uh, in a very timely manner, with has a, which has a lot of access. And here's this McDonald's that is very near where my target is. And again, uh, I believe in efficiency, so I'm not going to eat this bread because it's going to slow me down. And it's just very well thought out. So again, there is very meticulous, very David Fincher, very meticulous for sure. And that's the other thing, like the fact that this has to run up against what he's after what his objective is in this film where mm-hmm. he is a person that adhere he says out loud he wants to adhere to a code he says yes. that the he has a specific way of doing things and nothing should upset that and yet things are constantly upsetting that for him we yeah. are very much seeing a guy who is emotionally compromised he he has this hideout where it's been invaded by people and someone mm-hmm. he cares about got hurt and he spends the rest of the film telling you he does not care about that even though he clearly does and I find that to be, it makes for a much more fascinating character. Like, it's one thing to see Fassbender just be like, detached killer that kills people. Like, yeah. fine. I'm, We've seen a lot of that. And I'm sure he could make that work if that was the only thing on right. this movie's mind. But it's not. This movie that yeah. wants to communicate the idea that here's a guy that, in addition to sharing his thoughts on the world, um, wants to adhere to a path he set for himself. And right. yet also cannot help but get emotionally involved because of the way somebody made him feel or the way he, the empathy that he actually does have, despite claiming he doesn't have any for somebody he cares about. And so right. like watching this journey of him, like of him having to deal with that, I like that made, that made the stakes feel higher for me because it's like, okay, he like what, you know, we, we've already begun this movie on him like botching a job for what I assume probably like the first time ever. And right. now it's like, yeah. what else is going to happen? That's going to like mess with him. And is it because his mind is, drifting a bit or is it because i don't know what like but yeah. that that makes it all the more interesting yeah and i found that as a really interesting read into like his um the killer and also the adventures like like anarchic principles you know like mm-hmm. i love uh, this is going to be a little bit more on on the fight club side as well but again the idea of brad pitt being uh what is he called in the movie what tyler Durden? i guess he's called tyler but is there like another term like is I mean, Tyler. That's I mean, there's, yeah, okay. there's like there's Project Mayhem and Fight Club. Yeah, those, but just things, Tyler Durden, like yeah, right, yeah. But the idea of Tyler Durden is like, you know, I have rules too, but I also know that there are no rules. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's really uh, comes into play here because I love the opening monologue and the opening sequence. Very long, right? Yeah, um, it sets up a lot of information. But what I love about it is like he says. Um, you know, you have to be you have to be above everybody. You kind of have to be one of the few, and I am one of the few, and I'm gonna get you one of the many, because um, I know how to walk in these few circles, like these these uh, elite circles kind of thing. And like what you're saying, it all goes to hell. Like he actually does care for people. He does let empathy into his life. He does like not when he's doing a job per se, but he does have these 
um, uh, again, differing observations about everything. And, and what I like about that is just, it's a very representative thing about just how brains work too. You know, like you're not, sure. you have rules and you have principles, but sometimes you, you um, do bend them for certain situations or something like that. And, and nothing is different about this. It's just that the way that Michael Fassbender's character goes through things is that he's got dual track mind, so to speak. Like when sure. he's working, he's working, but when he's not working, it's like, great. I can just be the everyman because I know how to be invisible too. And it, it's what is, it's an incredible uh, play because he has a mono internal monologue uh, at the end there. And it's like, it, this is a hilarious um, way to the, end this movie. Speaking of every man, every time he travels somewhere, he uses his passport, one of his yes. many fake passports, and it has a reference to. I don't want to like give entirely away, but he has a reference to something specific. Um, that is a running joke that I found hilarious every single time, especially when they got cleverer. Like some are just like direct lifts of certain things; others are like combinations of names. And it's like this is great. I love all. I'm gonna of have this. to watch this movie again. <laughs> oh, every every name is a reference to something specific okay uh yeah. i can talk more about that after the, after the yeah. recording i'll, I'll definitely <laughs> but, want to hear more about that but yeah. it, it, it's just such it's such a funny thing that he does in the yeah. way he like denies an identity basically by like having okay. all these other things and, it, and it, it matches the the nature of what he's narrating about too but yeah. it, it's just it's just very clever yeah. um speaking of also clever yes. um the music um we'll get back to the score in a second but yeah. the Smiths, this is like a great it's love letter an entire to the Smiths. Smiths album. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it's start to finish. The, the he Smiths. gets in the zone listening to the Smiths. This is his 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 um calm down music. Is his like I'm hanging out music. It's I'm gonna listen to the Smiths now, and it's such a fun like addition to all of this. It's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I need to relax. I'll put on the Smiths right, right now. Yeah, and it's, and so it's just hilarious. He's just like this guy who has like uh you know very dark jobs like. I got to focus right now. I'm going to listen to an iPod Nano and listen uh -huh. to the Smiths. Yeah. I uh, I was in LA seeing this. So I had to drive all the, you know, I tried to drive like uh, 40 minutes home. I listened to uh -huh. Smith all the way home after this movie. I couldn't wait. There you I was go. So happy yeah. to just, listen to, just enjoy the Smiths on the way on my drive back. Right. Um. So yeah, that was wonderful. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm never expecting less than great from Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross when it comes to the music and David Fincher movies. And yeah. goodness, do they deliver. It's like a, it's like a heartbeat listen to yes, this movie yeah. and it's really effective and really puts you in the moment when it needs to be. Yeah. At times I actually had to double listen because I was like, is there something else that, I, that that's in the theater or is it this movie? And it certainly was the movie. So it's, it's I, you know, I, I know what you mean. I think that's because of the great sound design. Cause yes, I, it yeah. does like a directional aspect to it that I did think. Yeah. Like that, that I noticed early on too, with like a phone call and I was like, that's, that's very fun, which is why I think that you have to, you should see this in theaters if you can. But yeah, the music too. No, I agree with you. Like it had yeah. a, a way of, hitting my attention in different areas so. yeah so i want to get into a couple of things uh first things first is david fincher um david fincher is uh known for being incredibly maniacal about his shots um i think that he has uh, the opening of the social network was like 98 takes or whatever uh with uh jesse eisenberg kind of just talking um a mile a minute and i want to get your thoughts on david fincher among the industry he's known to be a guy who who is exacting and knows what he wants but it can also come at a cost too i think that we've read and heard stories about robert downey jr on the set of zodiac and whatever else too but i'm curious your thoughts on david fincher the director um and how this it comes out in his art i mean is in the regards to like actors working with him i mean the 
there are sassy comments that are made, but they certainly also respect the results that they get. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I've, yes, you can, you can watch Robert Downey Jr. and the behind the scenes stuff on Zodiac and get a, get a j- real joy out of seeing him <laughs> uh, pl- playing with the thought of like, okay, here we go again. But he also, when he talks yeah. about things like that in interviews, he absolutely respects the results and knows what that process yeah. led to. Same with like Jake Gyllenhaal, who very much commented on it, but there's, that's a whole different subject we can talk about. We talk about no, Zodiac totally. at some and, point. But, and let but, me just let me just interject very quickly. There's a difference between David Fincher's being exacting and very like needy and very wanting to do things versus like a David O. Russell who George Clooney fought on set. Yeah, no, they that's the thing. There's no there's there's no like apprehension that's involved when it comes yeah, to this. I think that, people that is, will more is, sign is, on readily to do a Fincher movie than an O. Russell movie. Yeah, there's nothing there's that, that that's resulted in like legit bad faith between actor and artist right. or what have you that's not the thing that comes with fincher films uh the 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 thing is i mean as far as the effort that goes into them i mean look look at the results i mean he's one of the most well-respected filmmakers in hollywood he has three best director nominations i mean like he, he no wins not as of yet but um and i mean the the films speak for themselves. He makes movies that are generally all well regarded. Um, he keeps getting actors to work with him. I mean, he's not a, like I don't know a James Cameron, who's also a very exacting filmmaker, but he gets fucking results. <laughs> like he yeah. he gets the he, if he, James Cameron wants something, he's gonna get it. And guess what? He made another biggest film of all time. I mean, it's <laughs> these kind of guys that are perfectionists. Like it helps when you're really good at being a perfectionist. Essentially, yeah. Adventure very much has that handled uh that certainly came more into play when like digital photography came into play because he can film as long as he wants to and so yeah zodiac <laughs> is when that really kicked into gear but i mean since since then i i have multiple films that i just utterly adore because <laughs> of how good they are yeah. um and it's it's hard to argue with the results he's getting from the amount of effort he's putting into this stuff um, yeah i would agree and, and i yeah, yeah, part yeah. of that does come with like yeah it's one thing to say we did all these takes another thing to actually see that process happen being on a film set is much different than reading about it yes and, i agree and you know exaggerations and what have you come into play as well when it comes to telling these stories of these things uh, but again it's not like you're finding many actors that are bad mouthing david fincher when it comes to you know the actual film that came out of that process yeah and i you know just to kind of bring it into today's environment i know that nia DaCosta has been taking a lot of heat lately um just in the last week about people saying like oh she's already working on her next project she's not even like doing the dailies and the visuals like hey man nobody does that right you know that's that's entirely nothing new (laughs) yeah yeah nothing new like directors direct they've they've completed a thing they will ship it's almost like you taking a series of 24 photos on your roll of film and you drop it off at the photo uh, developers. You're not you're not going to be like, hey, are you guys done with my photo yet? You know what I mean? So again, I, I think what I'm trying to say is there are certainly a lot of um, things that go on on movie sets that are very common practice. You know, not common practice, but very common. Yeah. Meaning, like people will have a meltdown. People will have, you know, arguments. You know, um, but you you rarely would get to a situation where I think that if it was a situation where Fincher was like a, just a terrible asshole, you know what I mean? He wouldn't keep making movies. (laughs) Yeah. That that wouldn't be good for him. Right. But he is still making movies. He's still making television, you know, and that's a good thing. Again, examples of this are just like Christian Bale getting recorded on set 
with the, the cinematographer just like getting in his shot all the time or whatever. Tom Cruise telling his his crew to wear masks. Uh, and, you know, like, again, these things are they happen all the time. So with Fincher and people saying, you know, this goes back to my uh, uh, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. comment and even the Jake Gyllenhaal comment. I think Jake Gyllenhaal has been on interviews by saying, like, I was so tired, but I would do it again kind of thing. And it's like, yes, these these are just you. You don't see all of the takes. You only see the one that Fincher wants you to see, which goes back to my original question about the art on screen. Mm-hmm. I think that it's very this is it's really fun to watch Fincher movies because you, if you know that he's so precise in what he wants to show you on the screen and how the actors are acting, even how set design and extras are working, it's, it's really fun to rewatch this. So I, when you mentioned something like, Hey, did you notice the, um, uh, license driver's licenses? I did not notice it, but now I'm going to go back and take a look at all of them, including the photos and maybe even the addresses that they use and whose hand is in frame and whatever else like these are all just very meticulous things that i think david fincher brings to uh, his screen so you know fincher himself i i really appreciate just the way that he knows what he wants like what aaron mentioned a lot of directors feel this way too you know not every director is going to be somebody that kind of takes a back seat i'm, I'm not trying to like badmouth anybody if they do sure. um, you know directors got to eat as well and got to pay bills but when you do have people that really have a particular vision of something, it's just um, it's it's really wonderful to see. Um, and you brought up uh, Cameron, and you and I would also bring up, you know, uh, Cameron's former partner, Catherine Bigelow. Anybody, anybody who has R- Ridley Scott's up. another one. Like I mean, there's Ridley plenty Scott. of these guys that are directors that are well known for being very specific and exacting and tough. Right. Uh, Michael Bay is another one, obviously, as well. Yes, Michael. Yeah. Like you always hear about like the fun Bay movie shoots and like, oh, I I want to do explosions. But things like he's so exacting as well. Like he can get into the weeds. He Nothing's happening because by by chance. Exactly. Because he wants them to happen a certain way. He told them how he wanted to see Optimus Prime transform on the freeway and how things would blow up. And they had to do it that way. You know what I mean? Like this is, these are people that, that just have a very strong vision of things. It's why they're all friends also. Like, you know, you can, you can, you can mock their movies as much as you want when it comes to like Michael Bear or something. But there's a reason why Fincher and Bay are, they went to school together and they know what they're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and that kind of gets for that matter too. Yeah. No, I was gonna say Nolan is a hundred percent probably that way too, but it kind of gets me to the other question I sort of brought up earlier, which is like, there has been like, does the Academy like David Fincher? He's been nominated for three times. And each time has been like a movie that got tons of nominations. I'm curious uh-huh. case, budget button, social network, uh, mank, where they're like, those are the main ones for him specifically. But even, yeah. I mean, dragon tattoo got multiple nominations and one, uh, one Oscar at least. And uh, gone girl got multiple, like, He's in ever since he's in the mix ever since Benjamin Button. He's in the zone as far as if he makes a movie, it's going to get the attention of the Academy to the point where I'm fascinated by what the killer will do, because I feel like this movie, while as much as I like this movie, it's if you look at like what it is, it's certainly slighter than the ones he got the prestige claim for. Yeah, like this isn't the match to social network or mank in terms of like what it means for film or whatnot yeah. as pretentious that may sound it feels more in line with something like panic room or the game yeah um, however because of the times we're in where we're starved for adult entertainment i think by default this gets elevated to something that will get like the higher like a higher interesting 
a higher regard when it comes to the Oscars. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a Best Picture nominee or a Best Director nominee, but mm-hmm. I won't be surprised if it knocks out some technical ones, mm-hmm. um, or or if it does start cleaning up in certain areas, or at least with critics groups or what have you, just because yeah. of how limited we are when it comes to like mainstream adult themed dramas. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that kind of thing. Yeah, and you're segueing to the other uh, sort of topic and question that I had, which was just around Netflix and Netflix's promotion, lack of promotion of this movie. This is a movie that I didn't really even know was like playing until you texted me like, hey, I think the killer's out. And I was like, what? I didn't realize that it was because I thought they were going to have a larger, you know, fanfare about this. This is a Dave Fincher movie. Dave Fincher has been in cahoots with Netflix for a while. He he made, um, what was it? And he has yeah. the, his Love and Robot series and, and Mindhunter. Mind yeah, Mindhunter. Yeah, he's he's made television for for them. It's like, but I I'm curious your thoughts on the promotion of this movie. I mean, I, it's on par with what I'd expect from Netflix. Honestly, like the theatrical thing is neither here nor there because that's like there's multiple films from Netflix right now that are big awards contenders that are in theaters. So you just they don't that's not their that's not their focus. Like Rustin with um with a uh, Sterling K. of Coleman Domingo. Like that's in theaters right uh, now. Okay. Or like Nead with um. Annette Benning and uh, Jodie Foster that's in theaters right now but like mm-hmm. that's not their that's not their focus with these things so it's like I'm not if they're only going to get you know like under 50 screens for these movies I'm not surprised they're not advertising it super high as far as yeah go see it in theaters because that's not their deal until that changes that's just not their thing right now um, yeah, and, as yeah, far as good. as far as the Netflix aspect of it well it comes out next week I mean it, it'll have as much fanfare as it gets um personally i've seen it advertised on twitter every single day for the past three weeks so i mean Mm -hmm. i've certainly been aware of it that's targeted to me i guess because that's how the world works right now but i i i i can agree with you as far as general audiences are not like uniquely aware of the killer they might be aware to some degree or whatnot but yes it's not a it's not a it's not the marvels which you know is happening like it's not sure because it's not advertised that way and that's I don't know what the strategy is when it comes to stuff like that, but it it also doesn't surprise me that that's how it's being handled because that's just Netflix's status quo. Yeah, and I think that's the part that bugs me on yeah. a personal level because I, I, I when I think about the Netflix model and how they're just like, well, we're we're here to try and get you to subscribe to our service and to watch our catalog of movies, whether they be brand new movies that we've produced, uh, like The Gray Man or you know uh, anything else. Um, I, I'm only thinking about the bad movies. I don't know why. Um, and, or something like this, uh, where it will have a limited theater run. But even the limited theater run, like I, I don't know what the numbers are per screening for The Killer. But I'm thinking back to something like Glass Onion. And Glass Onion did really well in theaters. Like, yeah, had, you, you know there's a difference there, right? Glass Onion is a sequel to a hit understood, film understood. featuring a giant yeah. cast. Understood. But Netflix is still the same way. There's like, we want a limited run in theaters for either, you know, awards contention or just to to have people uh, uh-huh. uh, understand that there's a movie coming out. And I, I just don't like that idea of just, well, we want to kind of hold things back so that you watch it on our platform. It's like, but if you know that the movie is going to make money in theaters and that's also where people want to watch things, why not try to have, a strategy plan that will prolong either the uh, the theatrical release and also have it on streaming. You know, I guess a recent example of this, which is not Netflix, but is Peacock, is Five Nights at Freddy, where it's like, hey, people want to go see this in theaters. We also uh, simultaneously release it on, on streaming. 
And you know what? <laughs> the box office is still really strong for this movie. It made $200 million on a $50 million budget. And I don't know what it's, less, it's done. Less than that. 50, it's like a $20 million budget. $20 million? Oh, my gosh. It's Blumhouse. They're not spending $50 million on movies. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So it, it's made a lot of money in its theatrical run. And I don't know what the numbers look like for the streaming service, whether they got a bump in subscriptions or, or what have you. But I, I'm, I'm kind of just bummed out by some of the things that Netflix – Maybe even some other streamers, I, I have to look at them, but I'm I'm primarily keyed on Netflix is because I, I just haven't really loved their strategy of deploying these large movies in uh, theaters for like two to three weeks and you can catch the rest of it on our on our service. Um, it's it's not such, my favorite. I agree with you, and it's the it's such a learning backwards thing because like Putting it in theaters is like the best advertising campaign you could have for the streaming it's a, service. It's a David Venture, like, Michael Fassbender-led movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, but even saying that, that that's not a butts and seats draw. Like I, I understand. Know, yeah. Like that, that is completely for but us. But you know guys. these names. You know these names for yeah. sure. And yeah, putting stuff on the poster, making it like there's a way to advertise this movie to like get it some attention. I do not right. disagree with you. I I can't speak to what their strategy is as to why they've continually held on to this method of doing things. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if it has like it'd be. I don't know if it has to do with like the fact that they are so strapped as far as the amount of money they've pulled and like we know they're in a weird place of how much they're they're in debt and yet they keep spending so much on certain movies. I don't know why that all and that they're works. increasing subscription fees. Yeah, while like not necessarily losing subscribers, but they're certainly plateauing more and more. So it's sure. like okay. I don't know what all that amounts to and what that you know I'm not in those rooms to know what that strategy is. Be like oh, now let's let our latest David Fincher movie straight to streaming with very limited recognition of our theatrical release, let mm-hmm. alone how we advertise all these. I don't know those answers, but like <laughs> it, I can agree with you. It is frustrating and the, and not helping at all is the fact that there's an actor strike right now. And so you can't yes, have fast bender until Swinton go on to, you know, <laughs> Onto Jimmy Fallon. I knew you were gonna get fucking go <laughs> so there. they can so they can play spin the bottle or whatever the fuck and like kiss a donkey <laughs> or something and like just be like oh this is crazy they can't do any of that nonsense to like get people's attention on this thing either, I mean, either more I mean like the you know the, the one of the things out there right now is like Killers of the Flower Moon um, it yeah. costs 200 million dollars for Apple and it's made 100 worldwide but by regular movie logic it would need to make double that budget to justify its current production yeah, but we're, it's not a regular movie. Even with the you know the larger theatrical release than normal for streaming films, it's still ultimately a streaming Apple film that serves as the advertisement for when it goes to streaming. And so it's hard to be like, what metric do you use to like make a success out of this? Well, it's like, well, Apple's covered it already. Like they're not concerned with what the theatrical you know, numbers are going to be. Yeah, and yet, you, you it, ask that question, and that's also uh, a question I think. People should be asking for Netflix or for Amazon or for Shutter. I don't any streaming service. Like, what metric are we going to be using to show that this is a success? You know what I mean. And what it what it is so far for those networks is they'll just trot out the phrase "biggest streaming release of all time" or that's, something like that. that. That's so that, the only that's thing my we next, get. Yeah, yeah, that's my other part of this, which is this part of the same uh, part of the same uh, uh, argument that I have for it, which is like somebody's going to go on Netflix on November tenth or November eleventh. And be like, oh, the number one moving, the number one streaming movie is The Killer. I didn't even know this movie was coming out. Why didn't this movie come out in theaters? And the answer is, it did. Yeah. And that that's gonna, you know, that that's gonna piss me off the most. Not because like I'm a purist. I'm like, oh, you should watch this in theaters. That's how movies. It's more just like you did nothing to advertise this, and you're kind of just hoping that it organically will advertise itself. 
and get people to to watch it. And well, I mean, it is ostensibly a streaming movie, though. It is not a movie that was like the theatrical thing is literally for the Academy run. Like that's why yeah, it's in understood. theaters. Like there's no other reason for that compared to other streaming movies that yes do go to theaters first for a specific amount of time, like Killers of the Flower Moon, like many yeah. Amazon movies. Those, or the Amazon, yeah, I was the Amazon like, movies um, very they they very much have adopted the Camille Nanjiani movie. Yeah. The, um, yeah, among others, that, that they very much adopted the we're going to release things theatrically for a that's good right. long for a good while and then put it onto streaming. Yeah, uh, like that. Netflix is that's not their thing. Until they change, it is that is not the way they do things. They, right. It is it is you know a concession that they make because of Academy rules or whatnot. But the killer is a streaming film. Period. They do yeah. like it is interesting to watch other things like this because they have a big deal of Sony where all the Sony movies go to Netflix now. Yeah. Um, and so you see certain ones that may have underperformed or got less attention, but now they're like number one on Netflix for weeks. Like that Jennifer Lawrence movie, No Sudden, was it No Sudden? Uh, no, it's it? not No Sudden Move. No, no it's not No Sudden Move. That's it? So no hard. hard feelings. Yeah, no hard right? feelings. That right. was, you know, it made okay money in the box office, but now it's like number one on Netflix all right. the time. And people and are like, oh, I didn't know that there was like this raunchy R-rated comedy that came out. It's like, it did, but, you know, I guess you're just seeing it now. But yeah, like, so that that's my, my biggest gripe is just, I I think that this movie is worthy of a theater and it's it's just that Netflix I don't know what their I don't know what their uh strategy is and neither you and I can answer that but just more of I I wish that it wasn't so um plain so so blasé about the way that it, it's it's sort of showing us giant movies um that I, I think play well in theaters. I can only hope that the, what you mentioned Glass Onion that movie was out for a very small amount of time, but it was in a wide release for that amount of time, and it did a it did a great deal of money. It did a it did Packed a lot. The, it, it, it probably did, it probably did like either its budget in in theaters and then subscription fees and whatever. It's like again, you you get money by having theatrical runs. You know what I mean? And the, what I'm saying is, I can only hope that Netflix is took notes on that and ryan johnson is constantly beating down the door saying look we can make money out of this if you want to put them in theaters that's exactly <laughs> Be- right, beyond yeah. just seeing it on the streaming service and getting subscribers we can make an extra pot of change if you actually you know give a little bit of attention to this thing over here that's you know right. been the key way of seeing movies for a better part of a century before vhs right. was invented or whatever so it's... yeah so it, it's frustrating so i i don't know maybe we should be in that room we'll see i'd love to be in that room the room where it happens. How yeah, Shag Hamilton. The, the room we're currently in are our rooms, though, and we yeah. saw the killer, and we thought it was fucking great. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was. Takeaway. I thought it was very fun and really, really cool, and um, it it makes a lot of uh, neat choices, um, including a, a, a darkness fight, but it's got a lot of humor and and it has a lot to uh, of Fincherisms, and I think everyone should see it in theaters. Here's my question to you: mm-hmm. It is based on a comic, as you know. Mm-hmm. There are multiple comics. This one specifically, mm-hmm. I think it pulls from like the first two mm-hmm. loosely. It's not a very direct adaptation of the story being told, but it's like it's the first two issues. There's only so many. Like I have the hardcovers and there's like six of those total. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like it's not a huge comic run. What I'm all of that's gearing up to say, would you want to see more of this? Would you if like if Fincher was like, you know what, I can make a series out of this. Would you would you be excited to see more of the killer, or are you more content with like a one off of this thing? Um, so let's say Fincher and Fassbender are they're on it. They're like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're back on. We're both doing it again. All the same people. I'm I'm happy to see another one, right? Um, I am also just happy if it ended where it ended, because sometimes you want to strike light lightning doesn't strike twice, right? But um, I actually had that similar question for you, which is I didn't know how many 
of the books this one was comprised of, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I was curious how many there actually are in total or if it's still going. Um, it, but, it like very recently released its first like new set of stories for the first time since like 20, she's like 12 maybe mm-hmm. or something. So it's, it took a while, but like, yeah, uh, Max, yeah. the writer uh, decided to keep going. So. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. Fincher hasn't done any sequels necessarily, right? He has so, not. No. Not, um, not I, from I find, his own work. Yeah, he did like Alien Three, but that's not like he, that's, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. But even that, yeah, he only did one movie in that in that franchise too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I would find it hard for him to be like, oh, let's make another movie that that is very provocative about all of my views on modern society and maybe even like about uh, historical movie uh, knowledge. Um, and let's see if we can do it again, Michael. Uh, like I think they'd be down for it, but I also am just like, you know, where this starts and where this ends is very crisp and i would i would be remiss to say like oh i would want more of it. it's like no sometimes a good meal is just what the chef has given to you you know what i mean yeah i don't disagree with you i would say i i'm completely set with this being the only version of the killer we ever get i would be if like if they all did say like hey we're all coming back we're all going to do another one of these i'm not against that because yeah it's another fincher movie why not i will say if i was to rank the movies with potential sequels that fincher could have been doing i would put girl with the dragon tattoo last because he did want to make he was going to make those books he was going to keep going yeah this if that movie is in the movies that were made i think there's like four books total right there's well there's there's the three books by steve larson and then he died and then there's uh, there's other books that are within that series i see okay um and then yes like fede alvarez of evil dead fame he made the he made the... Another, he, he made the sequel, but it wasn't one of those three books. It was one of yeah. the other books. Yeah, it was one with uh, Claire Foy. With, with Claire Foy, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, regardless, Dragon Tattoo, that was, if it was a bigger hit, Fincher was going to keep going. He was going to make those other mm-hmm. two stories in those. But still, I would rank that last. Then I would put The Killer ahead of that if they were going to be a sequel. Okay. And right at the top, obviously, Social Network 2. That that's what I if I if still, I want to still networking if I want if I want to see Fincher make a sequel to one of his movies it would most <laughs> certainly be if if he and Sorkin who Sorkin has said if Fincher wants to do it I would do it too if they got together and made another social network that would reflect where it is now compared to where it was back when they uh-huh. made that movie I'd be so fucking excited to see that you didn't I, want to see Gone Guy where, yeah. ben, where Ben Affleck decides to like go on a spree to get back at his his wife Rosamund Pike. You want to see Alpha, the prequel to Zodiac? Uh, like I, <laughs> Panic Rooms. Only if uh... David David is in Alpha. <laughs> he was he was in Prisoners. So. Mousetrap colon the Game Chronicles. Um... I hear what you're saying because I I think that you and I had a very good discussion dur- during our decade chat um, about just the the film that kind of made the decade and. I we you had it as number one social network. Yeah. I had it as basically like it. It is also the most important movie of the of the decade. But I went with um, Moonlight as a personal pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I can see where that that comes into play. And again, he hasn't really left that realm. You you enter you entered this conversation by saying that it, this movie, The Killer, has a lot of social network and a lot of um, Fight Club Fight Club in it. So yeah, he he hasn't really left the idea of the societal needs uh, in this technology-packed world and how dumb it is at times. For sure. So. And and again, how people can become so uh, corrupted by what they think is power, but is actually just like a fucking guy writing a bunch of code. Yeah, so I, I would be certainly fascinated if that's the world that Fincher wanted to revisit for another movie. Yeah. 
But if you want to make another killer, which would probably be simpler <laughs> to do, uh, if, I'm not if against. If he like came out with like 35 minute shorts, I'd be down. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be down for this. Yeah. Just a, just a series, just like a, a series. He just doesn't I like. I think that he could put enough energy in that just be like, yeah, we're only going to shoot for like you know two weeks, and it's going to be done. I'll edit it myself, and um, like. <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't like curb your enthusiasm. Every time he feels like it, he'll he'll finally put out another season. Otherwise, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Larry David took like what three years off before he was like, let's go back. Let's go. There back. was a long break between like one yeah. of the seasons, like like over like seven years <laughs> between yeah. curb curb seasons. Regardless, the killer. Uh, we're both big fans. When should people see this movie? If you can see it in theaters, I recommend it just for the sound uh, that is being used, and also just for. I think a better use of not using your phone um, in the screen or in in the theater, then please see it there. Uh, yeah, if you can see it in theaters, go for it. If not, I hope you have a wonderful 4K TV to watch this on because this movie is wonderfully well shot. And yes, obviously the sound comes with that as well, and it sounds great. So, mm-hmm. and it's also you know well acted, well made, and everything like oh, that. Of course, like yeah. all those things are <laughs> very much a part of it too. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we're big fans of the killer. That's where we're at with that one. Great, we've done it. Yeah, we we've did talked, it. We've talked about David Fincher's The Killer. That's going to do it for this bonus episode. Uh, you can find us all on social networks all over the place and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, we're, we're on the socials. This podcast is everywhere you can find podcasts. Leave us a iTunes review rating. That'd be great. Um, otherwise, yeah, uh, we'll be back next time. We're going to talk a number of upcoming movies, but the holdovers will be like a nice bonus episode, I believe. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that one from Alexander Payne. Uh, but yeah, until next time, so long. And goodbye. Take me out tonight. I've only seen the the teaser, so I'm gonna guess it's just like the the talking the uh, voiceover. It's like stick to the plan, stay who stay with your target, uh, don't let your heart rate get over a certain thing, don't let emotions get in the way. Netflix. I like when you're serious, you go to Otto from Simpsons. When I'm serious, <laughs> I go to like Batman. Like that's those are our two. Moments. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, because all mine always just like oh man, the Bart, plan. dude. 
stick to the plan, Auto Man. Like yeah. it's like there's no other version of what a serious <laughs> character sounds like for us. It is one of those two voices. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, we we also have like uh, Dave Chappelle white guy voice. Oh, we'll stick to the plan. Yeah, well, that's white guy voice. Not yeah. not they see when you have to be yeah. serious. It's like this is what this is what gruff is to us. <laughs> those two things, <laughs> Auto Man and, <laughs> and Batman. Batman. <laughs> Now, are you focusing on one particular Batman? Bale, obviously. Bale, like the okay. one that has a distinct. Like, I don't know. Batman it, could be, it could be Lego Batman. <laughs> Lego Batman is just him doing Bale. Like, that's yeah, just... that's true. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Arnett doing Bale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right.